like that I get to sit. This is cool. Matt, thank you. That was a very nice introduction. Um, my name is Wiley, and I am an alcoholic. Um, glad to be here with you guys tonight, see some familiar faces around here. And um, Bolden is the first meeting I came to when I um, started coming to meetings when I was living in San Antonio, I would come up to Austin and visit, and I was like, Austin's so cool. And we have this little pink house meeting, and I was, like, meeting in little, like, strip malls and shit in San Antonio. <laughs> and I was like, oh, this Austin's hipster. Austin's fucking cool. Um, and uh, I grew up here, and uh, I guess my first ever meeting was actually, like, back when I was 21. I'm 29. And um, I was at DKR Memorial Stadium, Hook'em. Hook'em horns. Um, I was there. I rode my bike there, and I walked into this room, and there was a bunch of people sitting in a circle. And there was a bunch of guys sitting in a circle, and I was like, where the fuck am I? Like, um, And they went around the room and started telling about themselves, and I was just, like, baffled. And um, got around to me, and I just started telling what was going on with me. And then after the meeting, they all come came up to me, and they're like, you're going to need a sponsor. Like... Um, you might have a problem, like all this shit, and I was just overwhelmed, but it was it was the first time at, at 21 where I, because I, I knew I was crazy at that point, but I didn't, th- I thought I was just like uncurable crazy, um, but then at that point I thought I had this hope that maybe I was a specific kind of crazy that could be worked on. Um, but yeah, starting back, way back when, come back with me. Um, I grew up here in Austin, um, lived a, uh, I was, I was reflecting on it earlier and kind of an interesting upbringing, uh, a lot of like duality came to mind where I was blessed with, uh, you know, um, upper middle class upbringing, private school education, fencing lessons when I was young, (laughs) summer camp. Um, elite summer camps, um, baseball, never, you know, lacking for food on the table. Um, what else? I made a nice list here. Uh, college paid for (laughs) vacations, all this shit. Um, but then at the other side, I suffered from panic attacks, um, from age six on, um, I was a bedwetter, which is traumatic if you've never suffered um it's very hard to uh be invited over after a while to people's friend <laughs> houses the moms are like uh can he bring some kind of a pull-up or something you know what I mean so that was traumatic and uh definitely hurt my self-esteem yes um suffered in school difficulty in school super ADD to this day um got put on Adderall when I was 12 which I did not learn that you could abuse until later on. Um, I just thought it was like the pill I would take because I was stupid, basically. Um, and my dad uh, drank a lot. wasn't really there emotionally, but also was like the chef of the household. Got the shit done. Like, um, you know, dropped me off at baseball practice, and and really they did the best they could, and and through a lot of therapy and a lot of like. Um, just time I've grown to like really love my parents and I have a great relationship with both my parents but at the time you know they they were just doing the best they could and they had some fucked up upbringing so 
you know, it was hard for them to, to have that vulnerability that's in the culture now that we're talking about and having those kind of difficult conversations. So, yeah, my dad wasn't particularly there emotionally. Um, I never saw, like, any kind of, like, affection between my parents. Um, he would always make my mom out to be kind of, like, like an idiot or, like, um, just, like, a bad person, basically. So I grew up kind of resenting my mom. Um for a multitude of reasons. And also I knew that I was so much like my mom. Um, we were very similar. She's really funny. Um, and, um, you know, so we're just, that's the worst. People think I'm so funny. Um, but, and she's got a really good sense of humor, but she's also like, um, spacey and kind of unreliable and like a little bit, you know, disorganized. And, um, can be big self-pity person and just all these things that I've noticed from her. Um, and she was like verbally abusive to me and physically abusive to me when I was younger, um, which was hard. Um, she just didn't really know how to deal with her anger. So kind of came out, um, you know, at some in some rough ways growing up. And looking back, it was definitely something that was... Um, made an imprint on me and I didn't really I buried a lot of that shit um, until I was older and I would in therapy and shit and reflected on that but that isn't I don't believe to this day that's what made me an alcoholic like the physical abuse the emotional abuse shit like that but it's definitely something that is very much a part of my story and again I do love my mom like um, and we have a great relationship now but um, like the shit that happened to me did happen to me and um so I get to kind of like deal with that and and in hindsight it could have been a lot worse like they you know they they tried um but yeah it was this weird upbringing where I was like had all this like material sort of like you know good shit happening and then on the other side I had kind of some mental health issues going on my parents weren't really didn't know how to parent necessarily the best um so it was confusing, and I constantly was feeling like, I have so much to be grateful for, why am I unhappy? Um, but things were mostly good until the age of 18. Um, really, like, everything was pretty smooth sailing with some, like, little, you know, pockets here or there. Um, and that's when, like, partying had really entered the picture for me. Um, when I was 16, my first drink, everyone in AA has their, like, aha moment when they talk about their first drink. For me, I actually looked down at drinking because my parents drank so much. I was like, I'm going to drink with class. Like, I'm going to be a sophisticated drinker at 13. Um, <laughs> like, because they would party so hard. And my mom, I remember my mom being in the back of my dad's truck, like, vomiting. And I'm like, Jesus Christ. And then... And then my dad's, like, putting put, like, a snake in my mom's bathtub once because he was drunk, and it was just, like, crazy. Um, so much fun. And um, and then I came home from, like, a slumber party, and, like, all the pool furniture's in the pool. And I'm like, y'all. And I remember my dad always tells this story. He's like, I came inside, and I'm like, what happened? What happened here? Okay. This isn't gonna work, guys. Um, but um, but yeah, I had I hadn't I hadn't tried the stuff yet, so I didn't. I was a little bit judgmental. Um, but I thought, yeah, like you know, alcohol makes people fucking stupid, and it makes people loud, and it makes people just like weird. 
but uh, <laughs> act strange. But also, they seem to be having a good time, so um, maybe that'll be me one day, you know? And then um, my first drunk, Enchanted Rock. I was on a Boy Scout trip, and uh, one of my older scout buddies brought a little bottle of vodka and some Gatorade, and man, the light bulb definitely went off. It was a fucking beautiful moment. Hit the sauce. Um, we were just chilling, drinking, vibing, and just that warm feeling came over me, and I was like, ah, definitely like whatever tense feelings that I I had up to that point that maybe I didn't even really realize I was experiencing. Um, just sort of washed over me. And it wasn't like this thing of like, I got to do this every day now, but it definitely left an imprint of like, ah, this is a powerful, this is a powerful thing. Um, and I really liked the way I felt. Um, and I pissed myself that night, um, which was, which was on brand, you know what I mean? Um, so consistency is key. Um, and then, so yeah, the partying sick, I went to our beautiful Westlake high school here and um, I was like, weed's bad. And then I tried weed, and I was like, weed's the shit. <laughs> and, and then I started smoking every day, and I started drinking on the weekends, and I started drinking and driving almost immediately, um, which if you grew up here in Texas, you probably grew up with a dad who's familiar with a road beer. Um, a roadie is a part of the culture. Um, but, yeah, so I just thought, yeah, you drink and drive. Yeah, you just don't get caught. That's, that's the main thing. And so um, I started doing that, and I had a curfew, so I would drink as much as I could, and then I would drive home. And I would turn my lights off, and I would drive as fast as I could uh, down a, you know, quiet road and just do weird shit because I literally thought I was invincible, and nothing bad could happen to me. I was like, I'm impervious to the law. I'm impervious to bad things happening to me, and uh, my life will probably just be one fucking gold highway of success. Um, and, uh, unfortunately that was not the case. Uh, when I hit 18, my parents split up, it was a tumultuous marriage and it finally came to a conclusion, but it was like the devil, you know, versus the devil you don't know. And it was like comfortably uncomfortable in my household. There was a lot of fighting, but it was my family and I'm definitely a family oriented person person. So it was sad when it came to an end, and I felt like at that point I kind of lost my identity, whatever that was, um, and I just kind of slid into some depression, and uh, I had a lot of bad partying experiences up till then, but alcohol was still something that worked for me, um, and at that time, around 18, I had the distinct feeling that alcohol was not working for me anymore, and I was also mad because it was my senior year. And y'all are stealing my senior year for me, blah, blah, blah. And fuck you, God, because I don't feel good. And whatever the shit that was going on. But I basically just isolated myself every day of school. I didn't want to be around people. I didn't want to see people that I talked to and was friends with. I just kind of withdrew. Um, and I had a couple close friends, but I just felt like I had this dialogue going with God at that point because I was raised Christian, but I just thought Christians for Easter and Christmas and like, it's not anything. I mean, yeah, maybe, but I don't know. It wasn't some kind of spirit. I didn't have any spirituality. Um, but at that point I remember distinctly being mad at God and being like, why did you take away the thing that was working for me? This is working like, and, um, I wasn't, 
enjoying drinking. I would smoke weed and I would have a panic attack. And it's just like nothing was working. But I, uh, I got my wisdom teeth out and I got my hands on some hydros. And uh, somehow that bridged the gap and I, things smoothed over. I graduated from high school and I started enjoying the weed again and the alcohol started working again. And I was like, okay, we're back, baby, let's go. Um, and I didn't have any goals really at this point. I just thought I'll make it in something down the road. I'm charismatic. I can get this. Um, I can... I can do something down the road. Um, and honestly, I'll, when I look at that time, all I really knew is that I wanted to be like at a party, fucked up, and be in that environment and be the guy or something in that environment. I didn't have, I just wanted to be the guy, the party guy or something. And it was very loose, but it, some, it felt enough for me. Um, and then I went to college and, uh, my parents, I was nine hours away at the University of Arkansas, go Hogs, and uh, I fucking hated it, and um, <laughs> and um, I was alone with my best friend, who is now sober, bless up, um, and uh, we smoked weed every day, and then psychedelics entered the equation, and some other drugs entered the equation, and uh, things got a little bit more serious, and... Um, the mental health shit that I was dealing with at 18 that I was like, please don't come back, kind of reared its head again, and this time it was a lower low. Um, and I withdrew again um, from my the people that I had associated with, which at this point were exclusively drug people because those were the people that I wanted to be around. Um, and I kind of swapped my little, like, preppy Austin identity for a new, like, artsy, like, music guy identity for college. Um, and uh, I wanted to be around um, people that were doing hard drugs. And uh, I never dabbled with the hair on, thankfully, um, or methamphetamines. But uh, weed and alcohol were were sufficient and I started blacking out a little bit more during this time um but I, I I I guess I still was optimistic that things would like work out I was like I just wrote it off like yeah I'm just going through a period I did suspect that something was gravely wrong with me but I uh didn't really spend too much time reflecting on that um, I just hoped that things would get better. And honestly, I genuinely just hoped that I would like, if every day I could have been fucked up and at work, I would have, I would not be sitting here right now. Um, that's all I wanted is just to just numb out and to party and yeah, like family work and all that shit will happen. But like, I just want to fucking have fun all the time. <laughs> I want to have fun all the time. Um, and it wasn't, ha I wasn't having fun anymore, um, during that time. And uh, I ended up uh, coming home for summer, and I went to this party. I was uh, a little depressed. I drank a lot, did some coke, and uh, woke up the next day and was still hungover and uh, drove my car into a city bus uh, at 7.30 in the morning on Lake Austin Boulevard and uh, fucking knocked myself out cold, totaled the bus, totaled my car, I uh, got a DWI and went to jail, and then Daddy bailed me out, um, which was nice. Um, and then I went back to Arkansas three days later, and I just was uh, those these these lows that I was experiencing. This was another low, and this time the low was so low 
that I was like, maybe I should just fucking kill myself. Like, this is, uh, I don't see any, like, hope on the horizon. Um, and whatever charm that I was coasting on just felt like that was gone. Like, I didn't even really know how to, like, I felt like I could manipulate people at that point. But then that was gone. I didn't really like doing anything. Um, I was working at a burger joint, and it was like, if you've ever seen the movie Waiting, where, like, the manager would, like, dump the, like, burger patty on the ground and be like, oops, and then serve it out. That was where I was working. Um, and that did give me a little pleasure, but um, but beyond that, in the ice cream diet I was on, it was mostly a depressing time. And, um, yeah, I just genuinely was like, f- like, nobody wants to be around me. I don't want to be around anybody else. I'm extremely uncomfortable in my own head. Um, I would wake up and I would feel like I was having an acid flashback some days, like, because I did a bunch of acid. Um, and I would wake up and the wall would be moving and I'd be like, fuck. Um, it, it wore off. But, um, but yeah, so that time period was tough and I had the DWI. And then, um, and I was talking to my parents and I was just like, I'm not doing well. Um, and my dad was like, you just need to start running. And, uh, I started running. So I started jogging. Um, and, uh, therapy was not even remotely a thought. Um, so I started doing a brisk jog every day and that actually helped. (laughs) But, um, and, uh, and I ran a half fucking marathon. The alcoholic will, man, I'll tell you what. Um, I was like, I'm going to will this shit so I can start partying again. Um, and I ran a lot, and I ran a half marathon, and I was still depressed, but I felt a little better in my body. And uh, I started, like, dating my neighbor and then the other neighbor. And I was like, oh. <laughs> And I was like, I'm back. And then, uh, and, then, um, and then I started drinking a lot. And that was when the drinking was the only thing. Like, drugs, weed, that had kind of, like, I got scared because I was, like, literally any time I would smoke, I'd have, like, a panic attack, and then, like, I didn't really know a plug for other shit, so I just was, like, alcohol is where it's at, so I started drinking a lot, and then my drinking bouts, I started being a little bit more reckless in my drinking bouts, people would start looking at me differently, like, afterwards, um, I had friends be like, are you okay? And I'd be like, what are you talking about? Like, I'm fucking killing it, um, and, uh, then I, like, Went home for the summer. I'm on probation from the DWI. Not supposed to be drinking, which was a news to me. Um, I'm, and I was, like, staying at my mom's apartment and just pretending that I was rich because she lived there. Um, and it was, like, a nice place. And I would bring girls there, and I'd be like, whose place is it? Um, and, and, and I was just going to sick. I would just black out and wake up on 6th Street, and then I'd be like, let's fuck, and then I would, you know, then I probably wouldn't, but I would go home, um, and then, um, but yeah, so then the pro, apparently I was supposed to be going to my probation meetings, that wasn't happening, I was working on a construction site, and somehow didn't get fired, I showed up four hours late my third day, I failed the drug test on my first day, um, and thankfully it was like some nepotism was going on. So I got to keep my job and, uh, was paying off my probation sort of. Um, 
and uh, yeah, I go to my probation meeting, and my I didn't have a car because I totaled it, so I was just lifting everywhere. And my buddy took me there, and um, I talked to my probation officer, and I like started bawling, crying, and I was just like, I think I have a problem with drinking. And she was like, you're not supposed to be drinking at all. <laughs> and I was like, yes, but also, like, it's bad. And they're like, just don't do it um, not at all. And I was like, oh, okay. And then, um, and then I continued drinking. Um, I told my mom that I had a problem with drinking, and she bought me a six-pack of beers because she thought that would help. Um, and I was like, yeah, the whole, like, whiskey or wine changing your shit. She was like, yeah, beer is fine. Um, she was just doing her best. But, um, but yeah, and uh, ultimately it ended up with me, um, my dad driving me to a sober living in, uh, in Dallas, Texas, um, which uh, we were fighting a lot, and I was not, I was crying for help. Um, and uh, he drove me to this sober living, and I made it a week before I got in a fight, which I'm not even really a fighter. But I got in a fight with this kid. I got kicked out, ended up going to uh, this girl's parents' house that I was talking to, ended up going. So then after that, I said, I'm going to white-knuckle sobriety. Y'all don't need this shit. I had gotten exposed to AA at this point, and uh, I was like, I don't need that. I'm going to just do it myself started drinking out of the liquor cabinet of the parents that I was, this girl that I was seeing, they let me stay there generously, and they just so, somehow were oblivious to me being drunk the whole time, or if they were were not oblivious, they were very nice about it. Um, and I was making pros and cons lists of why I shouldn't be drinking, or why I should drink, which is all cons and three pros of, like, it feels good. Um <laughs> And the cons were like, you're going to go to jail. Like, your family doesn't trust you. Like, you hate yourself. Like, all these things. But I was like, oh. um, <laughs> it's hard. Um, and ended up going to rehab in Montana. And it was this fancy rehab. And rehab is fine. It's a good thing. It's good to, like, get a break if you need one. I'm sure it saved a lot of lives. But and this one was fine. Um, it, it dried me out. And I realized how fucking uncomfortable I actually was sober. Because up to that point, I thought, yeah, I can stop, but I just don't want to. But when I had to stop, all of a sudden, that was a turning point for me. And it was, holy shit, I really don't like being sober. I don't like the way I feel, ever. Um, and um, I was confused, and uh, nobody really liked me at the rehab, which I was annoyed by that. Um, I made a few friends by the end of it, but yeah, I was just like, I always thought everyone's going to fucking love me, and, and then I was like the narc from day one, because I was like, I'm trying to get well, and some guy was making wine under the porch, but anyways, that's a whole other thing. That's a whole other thing. Um, so I get out of rehab, and I go to sober living again, and I'm like, prodigal son has returned same sober living um and then i and they're like we don't care um but i stayed sober for five months and then i got a pill from a guy i was washing dishes good well job got a pill from some dude relapsed then started drinking mad dog 2020 in the fucking parking lot someplace and then i'm on the train in dallas and drinking 40s and i was just full-blown relapse 
and uh, ended up getting kicked out of the sober living, which I fucking hated it, um, and I didn't want to be sober. Um, I didn't like the way I felt, and I was trying AA at this point, but it just, I don't think, I just thought, how is this shit fucking gonna make me feel good? Like, why, this is written in the 20s, and it's just like, making lists, and I just, y'all are all so fucking trying too hard, and I was just like, I don't know, I just, I just really did not, was not convinced that this was going to make me, I didn't want what you had, to be honest, um, and, uh, so I get kicked out of the sober living, which maybe some part of me wanted that, I ended up homeless for a night in Dallas, slept in an abandoned apartment on a futon, and then I ended up in this, uh, homeless shelter called the 24-hour club for two weeks. Uh, I slept on the floor there, and it was one of the best things that ever happened to me. Um, I slept next to, like, long-time homeless person, long-time homeless person. Another guy got, got kicked out of the sober living who was there with me. Um, <laughs> who was drinking Coca-Cola before bed, and I was like, dude, brush your teeth. Um, <laughs> and then, and, uh... <laughs> Communal showers, um, one shower, but it was like you had to share it, and then it was 60 bucks a week, and you got three squares a day, which I thought that was a pretty fucking good deal. Um, and uh, yeah, I was just like, damn, maybe I should try this, you know, maybe I should try this thing. I fucked up my life, like, this does not look good. And, P.S., I had a ankle monitor that they slapped on me after rehab, because they agreed to let me go to rehab if I got the ankle monitor, because I violated my probation. And so I drank with the ankle monitor on, which monitors for alcohol. So pretty dumb. Um, but I just didn't think, I just did not care. Um, and uh, ended up, so my mom, they told, the sober living told my mom not to fucking help me, but my mom, sweet mom, was like, I gotta help. And she uh, picked me up from the, the homeless shelter and we went to basically straight to the courthouse. Um, and I met with the judge, and he was like, "What the fuck? Like, are you an al- are you an alcoholic?" And they got my, I got in with the alcohol, the guy who was sympathetic to alcoholics, I guess. But um, and the court system is sympathetic towards uh, people of my disposition, and um, I got to uh, walk away, um, and. Uh, I should have gone to jail. And honestly, looking back, maybe jail would have been good for me. Um, But I went and lived with my mom, and I went back to school, and uh, um, things slightly improved from then on. Um, And I started attending more AA meetings. I graduated from college. I kept my addiction to myself at this point, and my life never got outwardly any worse. Um, at that point, I never had another run in with the law. I never had another car accident. I never had, um, any kind of like hardcore, um, you know, substance abuse or whatever. But basically what happened from then on, and this is like 2016 till now, um, is a lot of fucking dry sobriety time and relapsing, um, and what that looked like for me was uh, being in relationships, cheating in relationships, um, getting jobs, quitting jobs, getting fired from jobs, thinking I'm too fucking good for a job, 
and then uh, also, but simultaneously thinking that I was too stupid for that job, um, not not being comfortable in my own skin, um, just uh, get, dealing with a lot of depression and suicidal thoughts. Um, getting on, I got on Lexapro, which kind of helped. Um, got off Lexapro, which sucked. Um, but yeah, up until about a year and a half ago, um, which was the last time I relapsed, which my sobriety date is January 19th of 2022. Um, and I've been sober since then. Um, and, uh, what it looks like in that year is, uh, I got a sponsor who sponsors a lot of different people and they say when the student is ready, the teacher will appear. And um, I feel like I have the best fucking sponsor in the world. He's the shit. I'm extremely spoiled. He's like a guru. Um, he's smart. He's wise. And he always brings it back to the work, which for me, therapy, uh, medication, all of that shit, I'm not anti at all. I think it's wonderful. But um, treating this addiction is best done here, in my opinion, or at least for me. For me... Treating my alcoholism can only be done here. I will fucking get the best advice in the world from my therapist, and we will have the best therapy session, and I'm feeling so good about myself, and I will walk to the gas station and go get fucked up. Like, it just doesn't matter. Like, I, the, the talks about in the book, you know, philosophical and moral convictions galore. I'm constantly absorbing, like, self-help shit. I love, like, the wellness culture we're living in now, and I'm, like, so pro. And there's so much good shit out there, but... I, this thing came down to me of Frank just doing doing the work in the last year and a half um, um, because my internal condition um, when I relapsed last time which was a three-day bender and I was drinking uh, I drank uh, two handles of vodka in three days um, and it was just pure intense you know debauchery um, and uh, there's no joy in it. There's no fun in it. It's just the addiction, the the disease, um, running rampant. And it, it, but for whatever reason, it was what I needed um, in the last time. And uh, I just said, let's just fucking go out. Let's just if if you're gonna give up, you can give up, but you gotta just do everything once. <laughs> Just do everything one time, and uh, and I just I go to three meetings a week every week. Um, I work with others. I have a sponsee now that has two sponsees. Um, I call people when I'm feeling fuck stuck in my head. Um, I've made a ton of friends over the last year, um, and or last couple years, but especially the last year that I can rely on. Um, and when I'm spinning out, I, I call my sponsor, and I'm completely transparent with one person, which I highly recommend. Uh, my sponsor knows everything about me when I'm fucking up. In the past, I kind of tried to like make it sound a little better to my sponsor than it was, but now I just give them the fucking real deal. Um, and I, I don't know, maybe it's just some grace, but um, I feel good. I feel fucking good. You know, some days are better than others, um, but I'm able to just like be a worker amongst workers at work now. I don't have to be the center of attention all the time. Um, like I could not, I couldn't even hold a job and, um, I just, I just like my emotions and my mind are too just up and down. Um, 
and I will self-sabotage myself left to my own devices, which is crazy. Um, but they're, alcoholics are some of the fucking coolest people in the world. Um, we all have, like, in, I believe we have superpowers. Um, we are extremely empathetic, and we're um, intelligent gr- bunch. Um, and we've got a dark sense of humor. Um, and... I don't know. I, I found in these rooms, like, the people that I wanted to be around always that I um, didn't think were out there. Um, and the people that are doing this thing are some of the best people in the world. Um, and I I always tell people, like, if you can find a healthy alcoholic, that's, like, the best person. <laughs> um, but if they're in their addiction, like, run away. But... Um, uh, <laughs> But a healthy alcoholic's like a badass person. Um, and uh, but yeah, I uh, I was gonna read one thing from the big book tonight to close, so that hopefully we'd get some valuable information in this talk. Um, it's from pi- page five sixty seven of the big blue book. I don't know what time it is. Cool. Um, it's the spiritual experience. It says the terms. Spiritual experience and spiritual awakening are used many times in this book, which, upon careful reading, shows that the personal personality change sufficient to bring about recovery from alcoholism has manifested itself among us in many different forms. Yet it is true that our first printing gave many readers the impression that these personality changes or religious experiences must be in the nature of sudden and spectacular upheavals. Happily for everyone, this conclusion is erroneous. Um, in the first few chapters of, in the first few chapters, a number of sudden rev- revolutionary changes are described. Though it was not our intention to create such an impression, many alcoholics have nevertheless concluded that in order to recover, they must acquire an immediate and overwhelming God consciousness, followed at once by a vast change in feeling and outlook. Among our rapidly growing membership of thousands of alcoholics, such transformations, though frequent, are by no means the rule. Most of our most of our experiences are that the psychologist, sorry, most of our experiences are what the psychologist William James calls the educational variety, because they develop slowly over a period of time. Quite often, friends of the newcomer are aware of the difference long before he is himself. He finally realizes that he has undergone a profound alteration in his reaction to life. That such a change could hardly have been brought about by himself alone. Um, What often takes place in a few months could seldom have been accomplished by years of self-discipline. With few exceptions, our members find they have tapped an unsuspected inner resource which they presently identify with their own conception of a power greater than themselves. Most of us think this awareness of a power greater than ourselves is the essence of a spiritual experience. Our more religious members call it God consciousness. Most empathetically, emphatically, we wish to say that any alcoholic capable of honestly facing his problems in the light of our experience can recover, provided he does not close his mind to all spiritual concepts. He can only be defeated by an attitude of intolerance or belligerent denial. We find that no one need have difficulty with the spirituality of this program. Willingness, honesty, and open-mindedness are the essentials of recovery. 
but these are indispensable. There is a principle that is a, which is a bar against all information, which is proof against all arguments, and which cannot fail to keep a man in everlasting ignorance. That principle is contempt prior to investigation. And I encourage all of you to work the steps, get a sponsor, and go to meetings frequently. Thank you so much. Thank you.